Powered Podcast, a gaming podcast where we battle our backlog, revealing what is worth your time, money, and energy. My name's Shelby Stokes. I'm the coast, and I'm the past today. Co-host Casey Cool. Hi. We got Phil Karen back in the building. Hello. And special guests from Indie Studio Something Classic. We have Tyler, Pat, and Peter all in the cast today. What's up, guys? Howdy. Hey. Nice to be in here. <laughs> that alliteration at the end would have gotten me. I was like, well, is he going to? And then he sticks the landing. Good job. But, You're a professional. Hey. Yeah, I did warm ups earlier. I was in the bathroom doing my Betty Butter Butts and Butters over and over. <laughs> articulation casey yes. articulation it's hard it's hard yeah, yeah. and it, you know what else is hard gaming while being a parent in jrpg july yeah that is true <laughs> especially in the busy months so now uh guys thank you so much for joining us i we've i've been following your indie studio for a little bit now and quartet really spoke to me and what you're doing and you've had a couple other games like shadow of adam but uh how did you guys get your start i guess i want to get into it like because it seems like you're all over. You're in different places, right? There's no home studio for all of you to meet at? Yeah. So Pete and Pat are kind of newcomers because uh, the first game, Shadows of Adam, they weren't directly involved with. The studio originally met about 20 years ago on old RPG Maker forums, and we sort of reconnected in 2013. And then uh, through happenstance, I ended up finding out about Patrick through his uh, books about game design. He wrote some books, great books on Final Fantasy VI and VII and Chrono Trigger, and I got in touch with him. And then Peter was a member of our Discord community, a uh, really excellent programmer. But yeah, we all live across North America. Um, uh, Pete's in the Bay Area, Pat's in the Northeast, I'm in D.C. area, and uh, our other fourth quartet members in Canada. So uh, just sort of uh, traces back to that RPG Maker community and then just the JRPG community at large, just sort of where we have all met. Awesome. Well, the RPG maker community—it's really tight. We know we last year during JRP, JRPG July, we talked to Gold, who's making the last uh, Chronomancer, and he said that you that community is just a really tight knit community. From it's it's wild because I remember RPG Maker when I was in high school, and it was being super clunky. And now to see what games have come from it is really amazing, and I it gives me a lot of hope. I'm hoping that some point you guys are going to get that 2.5 HD type of like, like here's the tools to do this and you guys can make some pop-up book style uh, JRPGs. So um, is it like for shadow of Adams or for to get this company started, is it something like, Hey, I have an idea for a game who can help with music. How do you, how do you search each other out? Well, I guess, I guess I'll keep talking since I was there, but essentially like me, uh, Josh Garlitz, who was the programmer for shadows of Adam, uh, he and I had, had roots back in that community 20 years ago. We just reconnected on Facebook in 2013, and it was sort of a thing just like that. He said, uh, hey, I'm going to make a game. And I said, okay, I'll write the music. And then uh, we met up with Tim Windorf, who was a friend of ours, who had just started doing pixel art in the early 2000s, which if you see some of that art, it's not quite good. But the, now he's like a boss artist. Um, and so, yeah, we just all started reconnected and just said, hey, you can do art. I can uh, do music. You can program. Uh, we got Luke Watchholz, who wrote the story and did the maps. And then when we started forming the quartet team, it was kind of the same thing. Patrick's a really accomplished writer. Uh, Peter's an amazing programmer. Um, I don't know. Do you all have any thoughts on that? So I don't want to. Um, yeah. I mean, so uh, I, I think Tyler had contacted me for the first time in, I'm going to say 2014 after reading my Chrono Trigger book. And uh, we just, we just, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, we're getting started. We have, you know, this, 
this engine and we have this this ethos of just simple done well and i was i was i don't know i, I i'm trying to think like what phase of my life i was in but i was just like no you gotta you gotta go big you gotta have a hook you gotta go hard you gotta do something crazy and, and avant-garde and, and they didn't listen to me and that was very good for them and was that your book reverse design is that your book yeah so yeah so i, I wrote a series of just to give a little intro i wrote a series of six books called the reverse design series which is um uh, it's just it, it, each one breaks down a different classic game looking at all the game design decisions that went into them and, and doing a lot of math and, and, and textual analysis of like quantitatively uh, a lot of graphs things like that um to just figure out you know like how were these games made and what do they have in common um three of them were on jrpgs on, on final yeah. game six seven and chrono trigger because that's what the backers of my kickstarter right. wanted um but also those are the games that have a lot of data and I'm really familiar with the amount of um, extant data on Final Fantasy VII is like, whoa, that game yeah, I'm sure. documented. Um, cool. So that helped. And then I, and I did a few more. Uh, but yeah, Tyler read one. Um, so we talked about it. Um, I think, I think you know, we I gave him some more specific advice about things he was trying to ask me about. Like, you know, like, what about this formula? What about this little thing right here? And I was like, oh yeah, here's my thoughts. This is what I did. My, my research turned up. And then How like, often? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, two years later, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're on the verge of releasing this game." I was like, "Wow, okay, great. Let's." And we started chatting more, and I joined their Discord and stuff like that. So, because you've done this deep dive into how the games and the reverse design, do you kind of have like an outline where, like, okay, these are what the great games do, and how can we make our own great game? Do you try to make parallels to those games at all, or how does that work? Yeah. Um, so, like the. My research turned out, um, so at the end of it, at the end of it, after eight years of, of doing research on this, um, you know, and, and, and I was like, well, here's, you know, here's, I think, what the, 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 the fundamental structures of a JRPG, or at least the JRPG is the way that Squaresoft imagined it in the 90s, is. This is what it does, um, this is how it works, and these are the formulas, and this is why everything is the way it is. Um, but we didn't want to repeat that entirely. Um, so we, we tried to just try to take what I had learned and what, what, uh, Tyler had learned as well. Cause you know, that he made a JRPG and I had not right. done that at the time. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, we, we tried to take those things that we learned and try to bring the JR, the classic JRPG formula up to date and just make some slightly more rational decisions that are now, you know, that, that we have the benefit of, tw- well, I was going to say 20 years of hindsight, but it's, it's 30 years of hindsight. Um, right. And, uh, and we're we old. Have, yeah. <laughs> We have more generous technology, right? We, we don't we get, we don't need to cap all our math at two fifty six because um, we don't you know we're not sitting on however many bits that is. We have as much memory as we need, so right. Um, we not we, limited by machines. Yeah, we we can do things like a like a um, a system that's normalized of statistics. So it's like everything is normalized to one hundred, where one ten is is ten percent above average and ninety is ten percent below average, and we can all do all the math based on that and have the stats go as high or as low as we need. Um, so it's just modernization of, of those things to make, you know, very much JRPG systems that, you know, that we, we, we knew and loved, but with lots of quality of life and, and technological improvements that, you know, um, basically both my research turned up said, you know, this is great, but it could be done better. They didn't have the luxury then, but we do now. So let's do that. And it's also kind of like catching magic too, right? Like the lightning in the bottle is part of it. You guys are kind of hunting to get something that resonates with someone. A little bit too, like I think with quartet, like uh, Luna the cow or the hippo. I keep calling her cow. The, and then the yeah. chef character were two characters that really stuck out strong to me. Like the when he's Ben, right? Ben when he's going up the stairs and he's like winded, 
and they kind of hit i just think he's like overweight you know from like what he's reading he's like so hard i thought and then the they let us play the demo uh you guys had a kickstarter back in last year right or when yeah i think september yeah of 2021 and you guys made your goal and then then some um so how long was this uh being in development before you guys started the kickstarter oh uh we started in 2017 summer um well 2017 i think what happened was tyler i remember talking to tyler to, uh, coming up to release i did some testing for them um and then in like in like march of 2020 20, or 2017 tyler and i think everybody else on the team was like i am never doing another jrpg ever and then um and then in june tyler emailed me he's like so let's make a game um <laughs> so that's just the, that's just the life cycle of the artist um you know just just um but that, that then he, he started emailing back and forth he's like i have this old rpg maker I, game that i wanted to make but never could he's like here's the premise and i was like okay we could we could bring that up to to you know i guess what we said we would make it for adults not like right. in the sense that like you know naughty movies are for adults but in the sense that like you know the people who played would have played this rpg maker game in in 20 2001 are now you will know, have mortgages so let's, yes let's update well, it for that you know they there's a big discourse on on twitter about like uh, people don't like turn-based combat because it's too slow. And I was like, is it people who don't like it, or is it just there's a young group of kids that don't know how to slow down and explore these games? Because like I still like turn-based combat. I will always like turn-based combat because I like to uh, I like to think about a move and kind of ruminate on it, right? And I don't need the game to give me instant gratification. But was there any discussion about that? Like, do we speed up the combat or what? Or is it like you said, we're looking for like, this is for moms and dads out there that have a nostalgia want, but seen it upgrade and have a unique battle style. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll lob Tyler a softball here. Um, I, I, I wanted to do like a, we all, I think we all wanted to do turn-based. Um, yeah. It's a lot cheaper than doing like, <laughs> like action RPG where you have to, sure. Now we have to take into account collisions and race conditions and all these and priority orders. Um, and we, we didn't understand, I, know we, I think we understand the turn-based systems better, but, um, you know, I, I wanted to do, I was like, we need to do something really avant-garde and experimental. And Tyler was like, no, shut up. And I was like, and then that worked out. Um, we just, we just did, we just took like you know, Final Fantasy six or 10, a little bit of both and, and just made it, I think we evolved it just a little bit. That's, that's sort of where we started. Um, so I don't know, Tyler probably can tell you more about what he, what he was thinking at the time. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> having done SOA and it taking five years or so of development for just a 10 hour game, you know, I, I really realized that, uh, you know, my biggest contribution to the team could just be like the big picture. Like I'm not a, I'm not a vision guy. I can't write very well. I'm not a programmer like Peter. I, my skill set's limited. But I do have a good idea of scoping properly. So yeah, for uh, for Quartet, it was like, okay, let's take what we did with SOA, which was received pretty well. There were parts of the game that were received more lukewarm, but that was something across the board that seemed to have resonated well was the balance and the combat system. So let's take the SOA system and just expand it with one or two new levers. So the, the thing was we have a party of eight and you can swap people in instantly a la FF10. That was it. That's literally the only new mechanic really of Quartet. Um, there's more synergy with the combos and stuff because yeah. of that. But there's no like dual text or triple text. Now, maybe Pete can speak about this because Pete's literally played every JRPG ever ever made. Good. <laughs> and uh but uh anyway, that yeah, I just keep it simple. I 
actually, I'd be curious what Pete thinks about this as far as like from a programmer perspective of like um, our approach to the battle system. Yeah. Like what, what what could you have foreseen us adding that would have made your life a lot harder? Uh, yeah. What can we do to make things tougher for you? Yeah, like quick time events, really just insanely elaborate animations. I mean, we have some of those, but... Um, Anime-style yeah, I mean, summons, like 12-minute yeah, Knights yeah. of the Round summons. Yeah, yeah, let's Yeah, do that. some of that stuff can get really complicated. And, and you know, I think we've done a lot to, to try to, like, you know, use your quality of life to be, like, respectful of the player's time, sure. right? Right, so, like, you know, you can save anywhere. You don't have to, tr tr you know, truck I love all the way. that, by the way. That's a, for parents, like, we talked about uh, being able to save anywhere and then a... Have you guys thought about how, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, a recap motion where it's like, I haven't played this game in two weeks. What happened in my last like we, 10 we minutes of play? We want to do a feature like that, yes. Dad mode, parent mode. Yeah, love it. It's just love like it. a story tab. It's just like you can replay scenes and. Yeah. Yeah. Love and, that. And like, and like you can get objectives and stuff. We have thought about that, yeah. Yeah, the most recent thing that you've done, or, or maybe a quest log of like, here's what you've done in the past. So, gotcha. review that. We're still specking that out, but that was, yeah, that was one of those disabled entries in the demo. Okay. Now, with from the programmer side and from the Kickstarter side, I'm curious after you have people try the demo and their Kickstarters, so they not I don't want to say entitled, but they probably have opinions, right? And when people come to your opinions, how often is it, yeah, we need to actually make this change, or like it just you go, okay, to them and carry on? Like what's the balance there? Um, well, I mean, we tried like I, I'm a big after doing all my books, I'm a big numbers guy. Like um yeah. the the person who inspired me to write the books and do all that stuff was Bill James, the, uh, the guy who invented, like, he was, he was the guy referenced in Moneyball, the, the movie and the book. Um, he invented all those advanced baseball stats. And I was just like, well, what if I, I had been reading a lot of advanced baseball stats at the, in like 2008 and I was like trying in 2009. So I was like, what if I did this for video games? Um, and so with feedback, we try to do the same thing. Um, which is that if we get feedback, we tally it all together. We did this for Sh uh, Shadows of Adam too. We did, we, we, we um, had like, you know, uh, 300 data points or something, or something like that in, in the, from the feedback from Steam and everything else in, for Shadows of Adam. And we just put it in a spreadsheet and looked at who, how, what were the big statistical outliers of feedback. Yeah. What happened just, the most, right? Yeah, and we, we just adjusted for those. Um, and it was like, it was like, okay, great. You know, like all the harshest things and all, all the, um, you know, things that were like most cryptic were really sort of isolated. And the things that people said a lot tended to be more neutral or, or just like, hey guys, you know, like this is a good game, but, um, and so we really just tried to do it that way, which is just like, okay, you know. Constructive criticism versus troll. Or, 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 or 20% right? of our users yeah. said the same thing. So let's do that first. Yeah. Yeah. Keep track of the feedback. If one person says it, like write it down. If like five people say it, you know, pay attention. Right. Yeah. Give it a tally. Um, and then you go through that whole recheck, resystem. And I guess from a writing storytelling standpoint, is the story, and you don't, obviously, I don't want to spoil anything, is it done? Or are you guys still constantly changing? Like, this is how it should end. This is how it should end. Like, where are you at in that process of the game? Yeah, I mean, this, the story, I mean, we had an outline at probably the end of 2017, early 2018 that was that we've pretty much been stuck to. Um, I think as I'm doing scenes, I'm going through um, and doing scenes like I'm like, oh, this doesn't work at all. Like I've never done JRPG scenes. I've studied the heck out of them, so I I feel like you know it's it's been going pretty well. I haven't been a total novice coming to it, and and uh, I've gotten great feedback from from everybody, um, from the from the other stakeholders and from other people and people who play the demo. Um, but like as I'm going through those scenes, I'm like, you know, this this is a line that you can write on a script. The, the famous quote by um, 
Harrison Ford about George Lucas, right? George, you can write this stuff, but you sure as, sure as hell can't say it. Um, right. So, like, it's even things like the size of a text box. So, like, if you have uh, something, someone has some, a long few lines of dialogue together, and you put it in text box, and it's just, like, it loses momentum. So you have to break it up, and then when you break it up, you have to change some wording, and then, you know, you have to have, like, motions in between, and then you just have to realize you just have to cut some things. Um, or you sometimes need to add some things, mostly cutting, but sometimes adding. Right. Um, and you need to move scenes around. Like, you're just like, oh, this, this section is getting too slow and too long. So I'm going to cut some of this dialogue that is, you know, more interpersonal. It's not about the plot. I'm going to move it. Like, even today, when I was working on this scene, I, I'm, I, need, I found that there's a, a line I need to move, an important line, but it needs to get moved to the middle. Less is more kind of thing? Yeah, yeah just, just the pacing. Because, like, sometimes you have, like, a really brisk pacing section and it's okay you need you could put more text in there but it just doesn't work or sometimes you, you get really drawing things out too much you're like okay we need to get back to some combat and that's that's where the script you know even though it's written needs to get shuffled a little bit and edited and that just happens at the time that i'm building the scenes because i've already i've already done the work of, of, of writing and i know who these characters are and what their voices are like have you had to say goodbye to any scenes that you had in your mind that you've oh, been yeah. like really attached to and you're like oh no i have to get rid of this for one reason or another um, super attached to, not really, because the game was pretty streamlined and, and straightforward. Like, there's not a lot of asides. Um, so far, I haven't had to cut any of that. Um, I would say there's a lot of characters. Like, there were just a, a million characters in my script originally. Yeah. And when we had the money, I was like, you know, I'm also the one keeping track of spending the money. And when we had the money after the Kickstarter, I was like... Well, I did the math, and I know that, like, 30 of these characters have to get cut. So, like, you have right. a scene where it was supposed to be three people talking. You have, like, a good cop. There's, like, a scene. It's not a spoiler. There's a scene early in, in, in Cordelia's chapter where she's yeah. talking to her professor. And there was going to be a member of parliament there who was going to be bad cop. But now mm. it's just the professor who tells her the bad news that starts her quest, right? It's gotcha. so, like So, like, I, I, the professor comes off slightly more of a jerk, but he's, he's very apologetic about it. But... Situation hasn't changed, but I can't have this minister of parliament on screen one time walking. You know, that's like a hundred dollars that I don't need to spend. And then I, you know, by cutting thirty of those characters, I can save you know forty five hundred dollars. The correlation for me, I play. I'm a dungeon master. I play a lot of D and D, and I've had a pretty long campaign going. It's about a year plus now, and I'll have ideas. I'm like, oh, I'll be this character and this character and this character, and then I sit and ruminate on it. And you're like, oh, this is going to be too complicated, and and people are going to lose interest. Like, we need to make it go, and I want this thing to happen, but I need the extra characters in case my horrible players do something stupid, right? Like, it's more of a prepare for the worst, where you guys are, you're on a rail in a sense, right? Yeah, um, JRPGs are like they're much more yeah. linear, and people expect them to be linear. So in that there's some way, side yeah. questing, obviously you can do from there. So I I feel like um, I get a bit of, and I don't know if you've gotten this from you, some Octopath Traveler vibes in the sense that you have the characters, but you guys do something that they didn't, where the stories clearly overlap and they're connecting. So maybe it's more like I know the uh, live uh, Live Alive comes out, the remake comes out this Friday, and it kind of gives me those vibes too. Right, playing it, but I really liked the switching between teams and the dungeon. I thought that was really clever. I was like, "Oh, cool. Okay, there's some of this. Like, let's play with that mechanic." So, so there's some Zelda vibes there for me. And I was like, "All right, there's some like good elements." So, but what what are what are some of the big influences for these games? For this game, um, I just want to say before Tyler will be able to tell you influences, but I just want to say that that one everybody in the world is pronouncing "live a live, live a live, live a live, live a live." <laughs> Um, it's live alive, right? Just, 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 you have the '90s come back like that. How do you say it? Um, 
But uh, also, um, I'm really glad that you said that the switching uh, parties in the dungeon is great because now I can convince Tyler, the producer, that we have to do it at least one more time. You, I think you need to do it. I think that's a good story to Tyler. It's a good, not shtick, but it's a good mechanic. Like, now, K- Casey, have you sent him your Venmo handle yet before you said that? Or after? No, I just, if you guys want, just make me an NPC of a bar. That'd be great. <laughs> like, I would love that to sit there. But, uh, the town no. drunk in the corner? Is that what yeah, you're signing up for? Yeah, I would for? love that. Perfect. Perfect. You know, for you, we'll do it for $3,000. No big deal. Okay. Okay. There we go. Um, no, I just, I really thought that was unique. And I think it's fun. And I, I liked a lot of things. But I like that you had the, like, Octopath was really good about having the characters display on the side of like whose turn order it was. I was like, okay, that reminds me of that. Minus there's no break system. But I love that you guys stay true to old JRPGs. Like there's an element system. There's unique thing. And I love that there's no mana bar. That you guys do the AP, the percentage, and you can earn that back it was really fascinating too. And I saw your your thing on Twitter today that video games they have too much HP. I think that's so true. I think, like, if you have over 9,000 HP, you have to do something to earn it. Like, you either are stacking items or you cheese the game somehow. Like, you have to be clever. Um, what, what Are there conversations like that? Like, I oh. want this game to be, like, how hard do you want this game to be? How fluid do you want this game to be? Like, is there going to be a hard mode, possibly? Or what? Go ahead. Sorry. It's I didn't know. No, no, great question. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have conversations about this all the time. I mean, uh, I'm a very opinionated JRPG player. Um, uh, I think there's so many wide varieties of styles and to your combat systems. And, uh, I play as many new JRPGs as I can just as a research as for enjoyment. And yeah, th- I, I did that tweet and I stand by what I said. I, that's my, yeah, that's a good one. I, I think <laughs> uh, you should. I think, um, yeah, I mean, we definitely have a vision for how we want quartet as far as difficulty modes. I think we'd like to implement that. And we have some ways of doing it in a way that will be rewarding. Like we don't want a hard mode to just be higher stats. We'd like a hard mode to be qualitatively different. The monsters have new AI or new types of engagement. Um, maybe an easy mode could be more quantitative where they just have less stats. That would be fine. Um, but yeah, we talk about this all the time. Like I have kind of a vision for how I want the battles to be. I have a very specific style. I'm very stubborn. I like to really craft a flow to the way and where you gauge in combat, how that combat feels, how long it takes, when you get certain level ups, when you get a level up, what that affects. I like a very curated, tight experience. Not because you're the music guy, because you like it like like there's a rhythm, there's a beat. Like all right, maybe yeah, I don't know. Well, let's say let's let's say yes and make me seem (laughs) even smarter than I am. Uh, No, I just that's just I feel also like you know you make what you can make, and also when you're a small team, I I sort of recognize early on, especially with SOA, it's like. um, they're really open, very flexible games. I could just see that getting really unruly and, and challenging to balance correctly. And so I figured the you know what we can offer in our little niche space is to create really tightly crafted uh, games with like sort of set encounters and sort of a nice little... This game is a lot more open than SOA though because in, unlike SOA, which only had four characters who were pretty much in their lanes... Uh, there's eight characters in Quartet, and they are also in their lanes. There's not a lot of crossover, like Cordelia is the mage, Ben's the you know buffer slash uh, luck based DPS guy. So, but you can swap in and out of battle. And so, my when me, Pat, and Pete would talk about this, we we really said like, okay, what do we don't want to do? We don't want it to be okay. You're at this boss battle, and you have to use Ben, and you have to use this one skill, or you can't win, and that's the only strategy. And everything else is like ineffective, and all your turns, or you feel like you're just hitting a wall. Rather, we would say, okay, here's a boss who presents a problem 
And then you sort of encourage like emergent thinking and problem solving, and you give the players lots of combinations and options, all of them being useful, maybe some more useful than others, but nothing being totally useless. So we really tried it so that every time you take a turn, you could accomplish something. So that's where we like decided to streamline skills. So if a skill, like there's no skill that just debuffs unless it's really severe. There might be a skill that does pierce damage and also does a debuff. Or this does fire damage and also burns you. Stuff like that. So we really try to make it so every turn is useful. And in any given battle, there might be more optimal combinations. But in a JRPG, like if you think of FF6, there are times you just want Mog in your party because you like him. All the time? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> and so people are like, I really love Ben and I really love Juna. And they want to have them in their party for the True. whole game. We want to provide a path for that to be possible. We never want there to be a boss that just says... F you, you use Ben, I'm countering with this one at KO, you can't beat us, you have to use Cordelia. Like, it could be a thing where maybe Cordelia is a little more optimal, right. a little bit more better, but there could always be a way. That's, like, our vision for the game, and I hope that works well for people, because we re- this is really a character-based game. Right. People to bring the characters they like. Well, I got that by, like, I have a tweet of uh, Bravely Default. <laughs> uh, I'll go there, I'm sorry. What, what's your... I, if- Wait, wait, are you... Hold on. I gotta get, We gotta go into... What's your stance on Bravely Default? I've only played the second one. I didn't particularly care for it. I'll leave it at that. Great That's music. the right answer. That is the right Bravely answer. Bravely Default 2 had great music. Peter, you're shaking your head. You, you're, Pete's more of a fan, I think. Tell yeah. me... Okay. Bravely Default 1, great. Loved it on the 3DS. You cannot tell me that the second one is better than that first one. Are you talking about the Bravely Second or Bravely Default Two? Bravely oh, we don't Default talk about. Two. Okay, we don't talk Bravely about Bravely Default. Second. Bravely Second had a cool idea with the Catmancer class. That is about it. <laughs> but well, I'm talking about Bravely Default Two. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, like, I feel like Bravely Default Two. They just like amped up the div- like it, Bravely Default One was already tricky, yeah. and then it felt like they really just amped it up on Default Two and just like made the bosses so like so much cheesier. Yes. Um. And so, like, you know, it, on, on the standard difficulty setting. And, like, you know, if you want to do that on the hard mode, like, go for it. But, like, yeah, yeah everybody wants to play default and, like... Yeah. <laughs> or also, I just didn't care about the characters at a certain point. I'm like, okay. Like, mm. like yeah. it, there was some interesting beats. Like, up until the end of the second chapter, and when you get... Actually, the third chapter with, the like, the frozen world and the dragon, there, there's some interesting story beats there. And then it kind of like loses itself a little bit. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, the big like, bad in the ice area, I really wanted to kill him. Just yeah, really yeah, yeah, bad. Yeah. Everybody else like was kind of at, but there was just so much filler in the, the side quests yes. and everything. It just like yes. totally, and I'm a completionist and it would just totally Same. kill the momentum for me to like. It's a, dra- it's a drag game. Well, actually, I guess, Shelby, why don't you ask him? Yeah, I, I mean, that the whole reason that we create or didn't create, but got on board with JRPB, G July because I've always been the kind of guy to stay away from a JRPG because I feel like they all wasted my time at some point. I've since learned that that's not the case, but like the grinding of my childhood, I was always kind of hesitant to go back to. So in this month, we try to go back and play like different games specifically in the JRPG July category. Are there is there anything on your guys's backlog for this month specifically, or in general that you want to go back and play or knock off your list? Peter has ten thousand games on his backlog. Yeah, what Those isn't are... on my backlog? <laughs> what are your What are your top top five on your backlog, Peter? Or oh, do you need some time to think. Yeah, no, I need to. Um, I want to go back and finish uh, Rise of Third Power. I think that's on Tyler's too. Um, I haven't finished Bravely Default 2. Um, I've just been super slammed with Fire Emblem Warriors, Three Hopes, 
Um, I just like have to get all the supports, and like I just like can't not. Like, I, I have. I wrote an app. Like I have a spreadsheet. I, I just like I'm obsessed. No way. Okay, no, Shelby, don't you no way him, <laughs> Shelby? When we started no this podcast, way. we started this podcast. It was like I think we should just play backlog games and do something for him. Like we don't like because this I, is this your guys's full time gig. Is this all you guys do, or do you have many like? Yeah, no, right. We all, we no. all kept our, let me give me like, public service announcement. If you get Kickstarter money, don't quit your job. Spend it all on assets. <laughs> okay. um, That's the right like, move. We, I'm we've guessing, had, there's, yeah. like, there's like some devs in our Discord who have done that. We're just like, guys, we want you to know ahead of time. Don't quit your job. They're like, oh, we're going to quit our jobs. And I, there's, it, it's not that it doesn't make some sense. It does make some sense. You have more time to work on the game. The game will come out faster. That's all good. But you're like, like your families shallow. People are very shallow. And even if you're a single guy, and you can like live like a monk. Um, people are shallow, and you need to spend all that money on assets to make your game look hot. Like it's just like like the the games like Steam is like Tinder right now. It's just like people will swipe, swipe. left on your game if it doesn't look good enough. Like it doesn't matter if the personality Man. is like that. Personality is only like word of mouth might get them there two years later. But you know we did not quit our jobs. I mean, Steam is the new Tinder. Good to know. That's where I'm going to start. No, I I figured you guys were also just working professionals and this is a passion project, right? Like you guys are. I'm a full-time game developer. Okay. So is is this your only company that you're working for though? No, I I work for five or six different. Okay. I'm an an independent contractor. Gotcha. So So you have a lot of different projects though, right? It's not just the solo. Yeah. I was curious about that. So. Yeah, I was. That's interesting to know because, like, we anyway we started the podcast because I Shelby and I, I my dad worked in the industry and we love video games. We roommate, and he's like, "Yeah, I have a, like a big backlog," and I'm like, "Oh, send it to me and let's talk about." It. This guy sends me a 15 page document of like top like the big media outlets like their top 10 games of the years, and he has like highlighted. I need to play this. I need to play that. I was like, "This is a manifesto." And they're going to find this and be like, oh, you know when Shelby snapped? He had all these weird highlighted words. And I'm like, yeah, that's that was it. Um, Dude, don't you worry. I still have that list. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know you do. And I was like, <laughs> when he sent me that, I go, give me 10. Like, that was what I told him. Like, give me 10 right there. So um, I have for three hopes and then Live Alive. I have a, about $70 in eShop money just sitting in the Nintendo, my Nintendo account. And I'm, I know Live Alive comes out on Friday. But I, I'm a big Fire Emblem sucker. How are you feeling about Three Hopes? Um, I mean, like, did you did you play uh, Three, houses? Three Houses? Yes, love. Yeah. I have 115 hours. In okay, and houses. how do you feel about like like Muso games? Like, like love them. Uh, One oh. Piece Warriors Four is my son's favorite game. Like, okay. I we've been playing a lot of that. Love Muso games. Yeah, you should get it. It's got a two player mode, so he can play with you. And uh, yeah, oh man, like, and it's Fire Emblem, and it, yeah, no, that's it. Sounds like a no brainer for you. Okay, okay. Okay, Live Live's gonna have to wait till next year for JRPG July. Okay. I can wait another year. I've waited since 1994 to play it. I can wait. I can wait another. Can I say something uh, about Live Alive? Yeah. I, I just, this is, I have to say it. Okay. Go for it. Remember earlier you said uh, Quartet really reminded you of Octopath Traveler? That that was intentional. Like, we okay. played Octopath, and I was like, oh, I love like the nonlinear characters and eight character thing, but it sucks that the characters never talk to each other. So, what if I made like Octopath Traveler meets FF6? Mm-hmm. And so that was like a goal. And then with the FF10 battle system, I yeah. literally, I'm, I'm not Peter. I never played Live Alive. I didn't even know it existed. And then when I saw the uh, the advertisements for it, I was like, oh yeah. my God, 
people are going to be like, Quartet ripped Live Alive off. No! We also have a Western section where Cordelia gets on a train. <laughs> I swear to God, I never played so, Live Alive. So, you, you know why I heard of Live Alive? Uh, Peter Schreier, who used to write for Kotaku, that's the big guy, right? Shelby, the, Jason Schreier. Jason, Jason Schreier. Jason, Jason, Peter, Schreier. Yeah. Peter Schreier's an NFL reporter. I've been focused <laughs> on fantasy football because my big league's going on. Sorry. Jason Schreier kind of didn't toast Octopath, but I think he was he was overly harsh, but I got his point. Like He, he honored that there were a lot of good things to it. But he said everyone should just go play live live. And I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, yeah. oh, hmm. That was when I first heard it. About it. I and think then, people went into Octopath expecting a certain thing. I mean, I certainly yeah. did too. Um, and I really liked Octopath for what it was worth. It's one of my all-time favorites. Well, there was that element of like, it would have been so much more satisfying to me. And I remember this is like conversation that I was having with Patrick back in 2017. He's like, what if, or 2018 or whenever the game came out. You know, what if we created a game with a bigger cast? But like they did come together and their plots intersected and, and they had like they had a common cause. You're right. And there's a clear dialogue. Like with Octopath, you have to go fight the final hidden boss and you yeah. have to go to the bars and have those hidden sequences come, which I'm I'm a psychopath and did. And I'm guessing Peter did as well too. Yeah, his eyebrows raised. That's so, not a boss is hard in Octopath. Dude, that's that the phase of the, the last the, boss gauntlet. The plant, Ooh. the plant boss, and the dire wolf—the two side quest final bosses before it too that you can go do are killer. So, but you, from a music guy, and I tell these guys this too, and they kind of like shook me off. The music in Octopath is like top ten JRPG music, right? Okay, look at see, I'm not crazy, guys. It's great. I love it. I mean, that was the I have kind of the JRPG triangle pyramid. I don't know what you call it. I'm triangle strategy. Yes, I'm playing that. <laughs> I never played it. It's like uh, the three pillars. I try to get two of the three. If I can get two of the three, I'll I'll play the game. It's uh, uh good combat, good story slash characters, and good music. Good music I get two yeah. of the three. So Octopath yeah. is good combat, good music. A game like Chrono Cross is like good music, good music, good combat. I guess too. Well, I'm trying to think of a game. That I would actually say Chrono Cross, good music, good music, good story, bad combat. Mm, I, that's fair. I could see that. I think the story is ridiculously convoluted. Yeah. Man, I could write about the RPGs all day. I mean, that's why we're here. Well, actually, Phil is just started on his backlog, uh, Chrono Trigger. He's playing it for the very first time. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually true. I uh, I completely missed that game uh, way back in the day, and I actually took a long break from RPGs and JRPGs. I was doing a lot of just playing a lot of competitive games, doing a lot of StarCraft two and playing just a lot of uh, high intensity. So for JRPG July, uh, yep, Chrono Trigger. It's uh, it's great so far. I think I probably have seven hours into it. Uh, it's been fun. I've been streaming a lot of it. I will say this about, I played the demo uh, for your guys' game and I thought it was great. And I thought that there was a lot of, uh, to, to, to do a sidebar on that, number one, I thought the audio was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I thought that the, um, I thought that the music and the sound effects were really great. Um, and I also liked uh, all of the mechanics that you have in there to, to respect people's time. Like me, like, hey, I get I get one hour. I get an hour, hour and a half maybe to play video games. I have a six-year-old. So um, to be able to save anywhere and also the little things that you do to break up the monotony of, of what would be grinding, right? Like even in the library with your game of having the different books that you can switch and change the colors of the different, like even little things like that. To just like kind of like oh this is kind of something that's like a little bit different and it, I'm also looting while I'm doing it. Um, it really made the ex- it makes the experience like oh this is something different. This is something different. Oh this is something new. Like you never really feel like you are um, 
just doing the same thing over and over again. So I thought it, I thought it was really fantastic. But yes, uh, been playing Chrono Trigger. It's amazing. Obviously, I see why everyone likes it so much. I've been streaming it, and honestly, the uh, the response from a lot of people over the past two weeks of me streaming it has been just like everybody is like stopping by one or two at a time, like the nostalgia, and they'll be like, "Is this really your first time playing this yeah. for real? Like, you're not just." saying that oh like first time playthrough like to label your stream like this is really your first time and then they'll see me wander around like uh they'll see me wander around a, a cave or like why are you in this area right now you definitely don't need to be in this area and i'm like you know listen for the sake of streaming i don't mind backseat driving yeah, because tell me where to go yeah don't, for tell a me streaming, what yeah for a streaming experience like this is what i would do on my own time right like i'm wandering around the sewers and they're like you don't need to be here yet. Like right in the beginning of the game, right there, you yeah. don't need to be in the sewers right now. What are you doing in the sewers? I'm like, I literally have actually never played this game before. I'm being dead serious. So it's, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun for me. Good. Are you still, are you still in the past or did you get back to the present? So I'm at the place where you can kind of go through all the different portals. Like the portals oh, are starting to open you're up. Good and time. You, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like, here's the thing, right? Like I always make jokes about it. It's like why I can't play co-op games with people. I had a buddy of mine that was playing some Borderlands with him and I'm like gone, dude. I just like, I just am straight. Like if they tell me, if Love they it. tell me in the game just to go to the middle ages, like I don't need to go through all these other portals. Like yeah. I don't need to know, like I'm going straight. Like right. my buddy's like, dude, why, why aren't you looting? Like, why aren't you looking in here? Like, why aren't, I'm like, dude, I got to go. Like I'm on to the next, I'll, like, find, to the next I'll thing. find the loot I'm meant to find. Yeah, exactly. I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll pick okay. up a sword along the way. So are, are you naming the characters or are you keeping no, their traditional no names? No, okay, good no, no traditional names. So Patrick and I guess Peter and Tyler, before we move on to news, what is on your backlogs? Like we know, Peter, I think we got, we talked about that, but what are some games like classic games or new games that you are just dying, vibing to play? Uh, right now, I'm currently finishing up Rise of the Third Power, which is uh, by an indie studio. Yeah, I keep um, seeing that. That's on Switch, right? Switch. I believe it's on all platforms. It's by the same development team that made RFL. And, okay. Um, actually, there's a connection with that because RFL, I remember that from way back in the day, 2003, 2004. It was, it was originally an RPG Maker game. And so yeah. that, that developer has roots in the same community that a lot of uh, uh, class did. So that I love game, how you guys support that community. Like, I'm going to play this guy's game because they use yeah, it. It's just so yeah. cool. It's, well, I mean, for sure. I mean, yeah, of course you want to be supportive. You want to be a team player in the community. That's really important. You don't yeah. want to be completely phony and transactional. But also it's a thing where I just want to see what other people are, their takes on the JRPG. Sure. I think that's important. You know, we had, we have great golden age games to check out and Pat's done the research. We've all played them and we've thought about them a lot, but it's like, what are the new takes? Do we like them? Do we not like them? What do we like? What, what worked well? So a lot of it is for enjoyment, but also research. That's the main one. I'm looking forward to playing live alive. I played the demo. I really enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to how the characters come together. I'm, expecting some like 11th hour ass pool i'm so excited for the absurdity uh i'm trying to think i just finished bravely default 2 reluctantly uh that's how <laughs> i felt with that at the end yeah i'm like i'm not playing... gonna let this game get the best of me yeah and then my eternal backlog is i've been playing trails in the sky the first one since january 1st 2020 and i'm almost done nice so close. i can only just play a slow about... burn a real play... slow burn i can only play it for about 15 minutes at a time before i start falling asleep but it's great when i have insomnia so Oh wow! Sorry, <laughs> a little over the top. I don't think Pat plays video games because he has two kids and 
Yeah, I have two kids and five companies I'm working with. So. How old are your kids? Uh, they are one and a half and three and a half. Okay, so they're not at that age yet, right? You're not going to start playing I, with them? I'm longing for the day where I can introduce them to Secret of Mana. I'm like, kids, so, let's play the game with the colors. Why, why would you show them that game? Because that game is aged very poorly. That's got some yeah, old yeah, 90s jank. Depends what you're looking for. The game is still beautiful. True, um, true, simple. true, true. Like it's like it's like dumb, good-looking game that ten-year-old, like eight, eight, seven or eight-year-olds could easily play, right? I um, that or Secret of Evermore, I think, is the better yeah, cut, though. Secret of Mana was a game that made me want to be a game developer. Like mm. I played like I played like I forget like some I played like like Ninja Turtles on the NES and Mario Brothers three on the great NES. Game. And, great game, great game. I played Super Mario World. Was like I was like Super Mario World. I was like I like it. And then I played Secret of Mana. I was like this is like it's from another planet. Like where did this come from? What is it doing? Uh, people don't remember, like, like in 1994 in, in North America, we had, like, DuckTales. Right. And then, like, and then like, like the, the opening crawl of Secret of Mana is, like, in ancient times, the gods were angered. True. By and a hero rose up, and there were dragons. And, like, it was, like, what was, like, blah! So, um, I sort of got permission to, like, like figure out, like, why is this game like it is? And how can I do this? Visually, it's amazing. They, you know, they remade Trials of Mana and they made it for the Switch port. And that one's my set. He was six, and he played it last summer, and he really yeah, liked that. So I'm looking forward to that moment. And uh, just as far as my backlog goes, um, uh, I'm just trying to think. There's a couple games I'd really like to play. Some of them are not out yet. Um, Zeno Blade Three interests me. Oh, I'm a huge Takahashi fan. Okay. Uh, I couldn't get super through. Like, they were just too long, the, the Xenoblades 1 and 2. Like, I did a lot of YouTubing because it had some cool ideas. As Xeno the tutorial's like 16 hours and 2. You're yeah, like, okay. Like, like, just like, let me do it. Duration. It literally lasts 20 hours. Yeah. I, I love Takahashi Plots. Um, I think he's gone a little, like, after Xeno Saga, which was like him going more science fiction. Yeah. Like, they've switched over to going more anime with the Xenoblades. Which is okay. It's fine. I've, I've definitely been some animes I love, but so Xeno, Xenoblade Three looks interesting though. Um, yeah. I'd like to know more about that and see, you know, if it's something I could squeeze in. And then um, our buddy Josh Halloran is going to release Eight Bit Adventures Two, um, which is like all the it's like like all the JRPG micro genres of the game. It's like a buffet of like all the possible set pieces. Oh, you could I've ever seen have. trailers for this. It looks really, I, I want, I just want to say cute. Like, I'm like, Oh, I love this art style. Like it looks like it's fun. going to do everything that a JRPG could possibly do, but it's, it's very eight bit. So it's like Josh leaves some for the rest of us. Um, <laughs> but you know, that looks like a that fun game. And then, um, Another a friend of ours is um, Kingdoms of the Dump. Looks like a pretty cool game. I've been following that one for a long time, and that's got tons of Secret Mana vibes too, with like how they interact a little bit. But every character, Secret of the Dumps, I really like that guy, and I, I'm trying to get him on the show. I've been oh, I've been yeah, following that one. Uh, he's uh, shy. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Friend of mine. We're both from Philly. Uh, okay, yeah. let him let him know I'm nice. Let him know I'm really nice. I think his game's cool. Reluctant subject of the press. I would describe okay. it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, you know, Josh will come on here though. You get Josh okay. on here, no problem. You just have to okay. work on Australian hours. Okay, um, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, I got. I have to say though, Ducktales. You can't. That music in that Ducktales game is well, awesome. I'm talking about the cartoon show, and, and the, the Ducktales game was also good. Like both things are fine. Ducktales True. is fine. Oh, like, but the cartoons like very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very like. Oh, okay. Episodic and like, there's no plot and there's no stakes and it's just like, what's fine? It's like funny. It's lighthearted. It's fine. Yeah, but then you have a secret about like, the game from second one. You're just like, what? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, DuckTales is like, we got to get the money for Scrooge. JFG yeah. is like, we got to kill God. We got to like, kill mistakes. God. <laughs> Could be hey, anything. let's have lunch with my friends at the high school and go kill God. That's usually <laughs> like the two. Yeah, isn't the first time we, we saw a DBZ, like, in, like we're just going to beat ourselves here. You feel free to just mute the channel for like 10 minutes. But um, the first time you saw a DBZ in like 1996, um, and I was, I was like, like, there was just nothing like it. DBZ is very cliche now, but like, at the time, you were just like, these guys are like really going, they're really fighting. And this episode is a sequel to last episode, which is a sequel to the episode before that. And that didn't happen. Like now right. every series is like, you have to watch the backlog on, on you know, in demand or on you know, the Paramount app or whatever, because that's that's how they make money now is by getting you hooked in a series and making you watch the backlog. But but back in, in 1996, there was none of that stuff and only Japan was doing it. And so that's Japanese media. When you saw them for the first time, you were like, whoa. Yeah. The, your mind yeah true no i remember my so like my dad worked at nintendo i always do this uh, growing up up in redmond and that secret <laughs> mana i know you got, I hate, phil <laughs> podcast um, bingo mark it off <laughs> secret mana is the only game i ever had to buy with my own money because he couldn't get it and i remember going to like a local game shop and i had used my whole like coca-cola penny biggie bank to buy secret mana and i finally beat that over COVID, so I was like, "All right, it's good." Yeah, I mean, this like, might be a game I have to go back and play. I've heard there's so much reverence for it for a lot of people that I think it's worth it. Like, if you if you can get through a game because it looks good and has good art, and yes. the dungeons the dungeons are not terrible. The boss the boss battles are fine too. And the boss battles, like the, the boss the boss sprites are beautiful. I mean, yeah, Koichi, the director, makes games just so he can draw monsters. That's like what yeah. why he makes so he can draw monsters, and so of course they look great. Um, the, but, the animation, the 16 bit animation is about as good as it can. There's some random 1990s junk. Like, if I didn't watch a tutorial about going to talk to this old woman five towns that you don't remember, and yeah. she's had one log of dialogue to unlock something to progress in the game, I would have been like, What as a kid, I would have been like, Nope, I'm done with this game. Like, thank yeah. the internet. I don't know. As kids, we put I, I put up with so much nonsense as a kid. Nowadays, I like, that, I, What's that? You think you would have found that? That would have taken me like hundreds yes, of hours I mean, of like going how to every town. I all the warp whistles in Mario 3. I found them, though. True. Yeah. Yeah. You just Kids you are have the time. But yeah, now it is. have the time, right. I don't have the patience for to find the cutscene in the right. games anymore. Those nights yeah. that you would just pause your game console and leave it on, but like hidden under a blanket so nobody saw that it was on to turn it off. Yeah. know that it's on, yeah. You mean what I do to my wife so I can play Monster Hunter at night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete, what's on your backlog? Um, yeah, I mean, I can already mention What are like that. some classics that you've missed? I know you played oh, a lot classics. of games. Yeah. Um, Secret in Five. That one okay. I never finished. I played all the other ones, and that one, like, I always play through the, the prologue, and I never finish. Um, Xenoblade 1, that's on there. Um, what else? Man, I just... <laughs> He's played the ball. Yeah, I know, no, I... Like I'm looking forward to Live Live remake because like the last time I played it was the you know SNES emulator and like yeah. I got there was one section that I just really hated and like I'm like okay well I don't want to play the rest of the game if it's like this yeah um, they've got it they've had to up it with that new have you played Mother Three I haven't that's another good one to put okay. on my wait I played a game you haven't played Peter yeah <laughs> I played Mother Three. Whoa. Yeah. Like, I've downloaded it like five times, but I've never. Yeah, I, I have I beaten Mother played. Three. Oh, I cannot believe this. I'm just gonna like. Send <laughs> this moment for and time. show's over. Good night, everybody. All right, <laughs> this is just for me. So but, uh, it, I've never yeah. beaten Earthbound, though. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. 
That's a that's a weird. I've never beaten the one I that did. everyone loves. You have, yeah. We had a guy on the show years ago named Serum, and he had like the world speed record for it at a time. He beat like he was the top guy, and that was an interesting. Um, how long is what's that? How long is a world record for for him when he had it? I think it was like forty four minutes. Because there's like a certain sequence where you could glitch and jump that he figured out. And actually, his might have been like an hour four. And then now it's like in the under an hour, sub hour. Which I like, like my whole stance on a speedrun is I want to see you beat the whole game, no glitching. Like I don't like the Zelda glitch speedruns. I don't like the Mario. Like if my students will play, I'm a teacher. And my students what found emulators or like uh, web browser emulators if they finish their homework to play Mario 64. And I'll see a bunch of them doing the beat to go fight Bowser right away because they all know it. So they can all beat, like Mr. Coy beat Mario 64 in 16 minutes. I'm like, no, you didn't. Be quiet. Like, I'm going to give you an F retrospectively now. Oh, they use like the backward long jump? Yeah. The yeah. They all, they're all seventh uh, graders and they all uh, know it. And I'm like, wow. Zoomers are, I guess they're not Zoomers. They're, they're like the next generation, but man. I remember when I saw the first speed run of Mario 64 and saw that trick, I I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is, this changes everything. Yeah. And I went home and tried to figure it out. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not down for that. Um, but I think, I think we need to move to news, right? Shelby, I think it's time we talk about some news and uh, get going there. Why don't you hit it off for us? Or do you want me to start it, Shelby? Jump right in. It looks like uh, we have a couple of news stories here that Casey pulled. And the first one is Bungie is now a part of Sony is our first news story, which comes to us from The Verge. Yeah, I saw that. And it's kind of like, hey, Microsoft, we're taking your old toy and we're going to make it cool because everybody loved Destiny. And Destiny, that's the investing one. But uh, Destiny, uh, Destiny... A lot of people feel a lot of ways about Destiny right now. Are Peter, are you a Destiny guy? Were you a Destiny player? No, we have somebody on our Discord who's who plays it like constantly, but in the I'm not. And Phil, are you a Destiny guy? No, see, the problem was was that number one, there's just so many expansions. I mean, I did play it for a while, but there were so many expansions, and then it did it just felt like to me that like I was gonna have to spend all this money to like get caught up with everything that's going on, and also I don't have four hours to do a raid. Like I just like I don't have like that's the big thing, right? Is they want. I think sometimes with a game, like you got to decide. Like if you're just gonna make it that people have to collaborate with each other, then just like go for it. You know what I mean? Like that's because that's what it was, right? Like you got to get get together, get a raid, get a party yeah. together, and go do this thing. But then they were like kind of also trying to let people have a solo experience, and I mean. I don't know, either just go for it or don't like, right. Like, let me, let me just play it solo or just say like, this is just a collaborative game. This is what you have to do. So I played a few expansions and then I fell off that train pretty quickly after that. Cause it's like a, it's a shooter MMO. Dr. Z tried to get a group going in. No, I, I mean, Des- destiny two is amazing. Like, uh, oh, you, uh, here's yeah. the apologist. Okay. Uh, go I'm for here it. for it. I'm here for it. Like, I think that their vision of like having one game that spans an entire console cycle is probably never going to work out for them like maybe i'm wrong eventually because what happens is you need to keep those long-term players engaged therefore they release more and more expansions like if you jump in destiny right now there are so many pips and quests on your log that it's overwhelming and you kind of just like end up doing nothing because there's so much to get done um but the shooting in destiny feels so good like the actual gameplay of destiny is is top notch in my opinion and i think bungie studio brings a lot to the table 
right? I mean, they basically made the Halo franchise what it is and was. Um, it could be argued that it's not what it was, but obviously they've left a huge imprint on the industry in its entirety. And I am always excited to see what Bungie has coming next. Yeah, I mean, I think that the gameplay, I think you're right, Shelby. I will agree with you on that, that the gameplay is really crisp and it's really fun and killing people is really satisfying. But right like one of the issues is like you see a lot of games like this like world of warcraft you see the same thing where you have these games that people like put hundreds of hours into and then you want to get a new generation of people involved with those games and so then you end up doing some sort of like hey if you pay 70 dollars, then you can just get to level 60 right away or you could just get to so that they can participate in the new content and um then somebody's there like, dude, I've been, I grinded this game for like 300 hours. I've been grinding on this game for 300 hours and now. So it definitely is a challenge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that Sony like needed a big win, right? I mean, you've seen Microsoft buy up all of these studios recently and Nintendo's like playing their own game, right? They have their first party and they essentially have so many. No, Nintendo handheld. has Monster Hunter Rise, which, you know, <laughs> Parker said this. Out. I, that's pretty MMO adjacent, but it's MMOs for people that like, Hey, I got 20 minutes. Let's go kill that giant gorilla with the helmet on his head and that throws his fiery poo at you, right? Like that's that is, you know, Nintendo audience. With so what you're saying is is Nintendo's secret is fiery poo? Fiery poo, yes. You heard it Chipo- the first. Th- them and Chipotle <laughs> have the same secret recipe. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> uh I, I mean, I'm excited to see that they got purchased. And you know what? I'm not like I obviously play a lot of my titles on Xbox because I have Game Pass. But I'm not a fanboy. I just want to see people keep making good games. And hopefully this is a step for Bungie to be able to do that. Yeah. I'm interested to see it. Because Sony is kind of like they're going to this. And then they're getting really involved with esports. Like Evo's coming up. Uh, They're doubling down on that. Um, Are they? uh, A little bit. And then the other story that we have is uh, Blizzard... Talk to they're unionizing parts of old Blizzard studios are unionizing finally. Uh, Blizzard Albany came out and said that we're gonna have a they're gonna have a union for their Q and A or quality that's their game testers I believe and or quality assurance workers and I think that's great. I think that if you have people on your team full time that do a good job and you can offer them a full time salary with benefits, you should. And it, you know, like you see the stuff that Amazon does where it's like, don't go to the union, like don't go to these people to talk about a union, which is highly illegal. I'm glad that the gaming companies are kind of like, okay, we got to let people do what's best for them now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, having union inside Blizzard Activision probably isn't a bad move right now. Like this is probably something that should be in place. I mean, based right. on the last couple of years of news stories we've seen come out of Activision, it's nice to see that they're like banding together and trying to get something done. Well, Microsoft wants them to have it more than likely, right? They're like, yeah, yeah. sure. Go for it. Like, yeah. Microsoft's yeah. not going to play that game. They've got too, too many, too many cards to fold. Um, like I, Pete, Patrick, as a game developer and as an independent contractor, it, how big is that an issue for these pro, these quality control uh, analysts and other developers to get unionized? Well, I mean, I think I think the unionization of anybody, um, especially in large AAA companies, is probably pretty good. In that um, those companies are famous and, and well documented to really um, put undue pressure on their workers. Crunch, uh, right? You mentioned Jason Schreier's books, right? He, this, yeah. His second book talks about how many people wash out of the industry. 
And that results in a, a significant lack of or shortage of senior level employees in various skills. So like right now, if you're a mid-level or senior VFX artist, you can walk on and make $250,000 per year um, from remotely working for almost anybody because they've washed all those people out of the industry um, by, by undue pressure. And of course, some of them were poached by the movie or television industry as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, it's just like, you, you got like, to retain people because they have the skills. Um, they haven't done a good job of that because they've just, you know, they really sort of a, a, a approach it like a meat grinder of just like, oh, there's always somebody, some new meat willing to, to jump into our, our, our scheme. And, you know, like, and we can just squeeze all the juice out of them and then leave them by the side of the road. They're, uh, they're, they're sucked out corpse just in like, exactly. so yeah. Like, that's not a good way to have no. um get better because then you're just, you're on a treadmill of like mid and lower level people. Um, you never get those senior people who can really do something um, unique uh, and artful. Like I, I guess a good example is um, uh, The Last of Us is, is uh, a game that was made by somebody who was not a game director to start, right? They came right. up through the ranks and um, created this really cool game that people love. Um, but that only happens if you have a lot of people who are become senior um, who have that power. And if you if you don't retain those people, then you're screwed. Um, you know, and and I think the union will result will result in people being retained because they're you know their life conditions will be better. It, it, I want to just say real quick before go I ahead. Quick comment is that um, there's just just there's centuries of research that shows that overworking people is bad for productivity. You lose productivity right. every every hour over forty that isn't isn't met by um, extra hours off in the following two weeks um, results in a deficit of, of productivity. So. Nobody should ever be crunching for more than like if you if you have the last home stretch is two weeks to release and there's a million bugs and your publisher forced you to, to publish on this date and you're just like we've got two weeks we just got to buckle down like I get project that. red yeah yeah but if that's like for months then you're just going to lose productivity and create more bugs than you solve and there's just centuries of research about that and you know unions are sort of a backdoor into you know working in conditions that are optimal. Um, so right. why people don't want to do that, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't get that either. And I, I think maybe you guys would know too, because like you get the weird, not weird. I don't, I'm not going to hurt anybody in your Kickstarter, but I'm sure you, like we said, we have, you have like, most people are normal. And then it's the loud minority that makes scenes for people. I'm like, I want my game now. And I want my Instagram now. I gave you money. I'm entitled to tell you how to do things. Like they, there's a sense of entitlement from people. It, even if they're not involved in the game or didn't back a game because everyone's instant gratification and if people just wait, they're always going to get a better product. Right. Is it, I guess it's a lack of patience from gamers, I think sometimes, or uh, yeah, probably shareholders, gamers, shareholders too. They determine, sales, uh, um, they determine um, you know, sales numbers, which yes, sales numbers don't actually, you know, necessarily affect your quarterly report so much because they take a while to ramp up. Um, and I mean, you got to have those deliveries, but um you know, I think I think I think that just once games became, you know, once there are IPOs of big companies, they just had quarterly projections to meet. And they uh, and this is something Schreier covers too. Is there's a lot of executives working in games who have no experience in games. They've never been right. dead. so they're always just trying to like just ratchet up. And it's just like that's you know, I think the only people who could really understand games would be people who make TV and movies if they have like that. Those are people who could have a related skill set. They're like like these are artists. You can only work them so hard. They will form a union. They will form yeah. a guild. They need residuals. Like 
there's a boom and bust cycle, and it's just inherent. You need to have multiple products going. But like, like the voice actors were having the issue for a while too, right? Like they were trying to get their like uh, they're trying to get their cut too because they don't get paid the same exactly. as like a SAG actor. Yeah, yeah, actors should get residuals. It's just the way the industry works. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just it's just a little bit silly that that they just ignored all these you know. Like, like you know, uh, software companies, major B two B software companies, don't tend to work their employees more than forty hours a week because they they have accepted over fifty years of software development that that's not how it works. You will lose people, and if you lose senior devs, you're going to be out of luck. Um, other companies will poach them and give them a better lifestyle. So games need to catch up to that. Yeah. Well, I had to guess. You know, what Pat was talking about. Yeah. I think there's just like a weaponization of people's passion. Like so many people, especially in the, the the Gen Z generation and onward, that just want to get into games, that yeah. love games, and they probably see QA as a way as their entry point. Um, I mean, I can only speak for myself as a composer for games. I mean, when I was in college 15 years ago as a music major, I don't remember anyone ever talking about wanting to write music for games. But now going back as a 34-year-old man and being around the next generation, that's what everyone wants to do. Right. So I think it's a lot of like we can do – we can make – we know they're passionate. We can kind of take advantage of this. And um, yeah, I mean, just having some leverage is good. And uh, work-life balance is important. No matter how much you love something, you have to take breaks. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm a workaholic, but like I'm on, I'm, uh, my in-laws are now on vacation. And this like dopamine recharge is very helpful for me. It's actually- thank you for taking this time to come talk to three schmoes about video games. I'm That's cool. Cool. I love talking. Oh, good, good. You know, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Well, and I know we could talk JRPGs forever, and I fully agree with you. I wanted to play a little game for us to end the night, uh, and it's a game of Would You Rather, but it's JRPG edition, okay? And I'm going to give you two topics. I'm going to ask you about JRPG, and you guys can talk amongst yourself, but it's video game themed at all. Shelby and I did this last year with Michael Hyam, who a uh, great uh, video game reporter and big Final Fantasy fourteen fan who got me to start playing that. So the first one I always ask, and I like this one, and I know Shelby's answer, but we've never heard Phil's. Single save file or multiple save file? For for RPG? RPG, yeah. Do you are Oh you a single save? It's all I'm all in. It's just a single save file. I don't I don't do multiple yeah. spots. Whoa. I just go all in with the single with a single. If I'm if I lose, I I'm out. Some people like to watch the world burn. I'm in, I'm, I'm in that world burn camp too. I'm a, I'm a single file guy. Oh my god! I know Pete probably has like 40 save files. Round robin, man. Like 99, <laughs> 99 slots, 99 saves, man. I, I might want to tra- go back was, to that one scene at level one. I never I, know. I was playing Trails and I missed a book, and oh. like it was like one chapter before. I'm like, I'll just go back and get it. <laughs> yeah, I just started like, a game. Optimal- yeah, I have, I'm the same way with Pete. I have multiple saves, just in case. But nowadays, I, I, I have to get away from my completionist tendencies because every modern game now has so many side quests that if I dip my toe in, I'll never get back. But I do like to have multiple saves because you just never know if you're going to F yourself because you missed something. Or I go back to Pokemon, man. Like, it's just one chance. You know? Like, that's how I always kind of go. That's fair. No, I mean, you got to have multiple. You have to. Like, yeah, that's I'm... the only way to roll because then you can just, like, jump back any time, do what you need to do, come on back. It's good. It's all right. Yeah. Also, I with developers, 
testing our own game. I mean, obviously we can have tools to jump us where we need to go, but having multiple save files, if we had one save file, oh my God, that would be so terrible for testing. Sure, sure. What were we going to say, Peter? I was going to say, like, I usually will do a little bit of research on the game in advance. Like, if there's a new game plus, I will usually be a little bit more lenient about, like, not keeping saves. Um, But if there isn't, I I will definitely keep one. I'm doing that. This is the one time breaking my rule triangle strategy. I have a save file with the one of the games ending. I have a save file of another of the other three endings, and now I'm doing the fourth and final ending. Patrick, what about you? Single save or multiple? Uh, Multiple saves. I have a mortgage. Uh, (laughs) I I get the hardcore element. I understand. I understand where people are coming from on that. Um, you know, like it, it, it te- it's an intensifier. Makes yeah, true. Decisions. Um, I remember there's this great talk. Um, and I did a video with uh, Jesse Cox about this. Where we're talking about like why, why roguelikes are permadeath. And when we heard, we, so I did some research and we have a clip of like, um, like Michael Toy talking about like, well, because, you know, then if, if you have autosave and permadeath, and it's not about the death. It's about forcing you to make every decision permanent. Like if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you open a chest and you get a cursed item, like you could just save scum and take the item off, but if you if you if the game saves every time you quit and you can only restart by dying, then you are forced into accepting and then adapting to all those changes. Right. And I understand that as a design aesthetic, and I have played roguelikes that I've liked, but now that I have two kids and a mortgage, that ship has sailed for me. Yeah. And maybe when I retire, I'll go back to trying some of that. But I'm a multiple saves guy. Or you that. let sleeping dogs lie a little bit too, right? Like, well, that's my that's my version of the game. This is how it's gonna uh, right. work for I, me. I'm a big one for there's no wrong way to enjoy a game. Like if you, you right. enjoy it for whatever reason, it's the the quote wrong way to play it. No problem. Just just enjoy the game. I think I'm the guy that always has like 14 saves on every game I play, but I really just, once I see credits, like I'm on to the next one. Like I'm not precious yes. about completion, completing anything side quests undone. Sure. Like if I've got enough to film the game, I'm done, but I always am afraid that I'm going to paint myself into a corner and hit that boss. That's unbeatable for one reason or another. So I have to have those save files just in case. We call it the Y graph effect. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Right. How many potions can I end your game with? Actually, that was my next question. Hold an item or use an item? Like, how? what is your stance on that? Because there's the pack rats for that. Like, here's this elixir, and by the end of the game, you have 20 elixirs that you've never used. I mean, every D-Charge are risk-averse. They hold items. They hoard items. It's hard to get them to spend it. Yeah, I I think um, the reason why Chrono Trigger gives you a million items is so that you use some, right? Chrono Trigger gives you too many items so that you would use some of them. Right. Um, and, I, and now that like now that I'm older and I've looked at these things analytically, like I can get through Final Fantasy V much better um, than I used to, with, because I understand that the item economy is not set up around saving them all for the last boss fight, where right. you have a lot more options. You should be using that elixir you get. Yeah. Right away. Um, that's what it's there for. You're not like the hard parts are like when you don't have a bunch of abilities. The easy part is when you do. Yeah. And in any case, at the end of the game, you can buy elixirs. So yeah, but Patrick. People, most as you and I know, and Peter knows, p- players are emotional. They're not. So, so it's like the difference of going out to a restaurant and paying with cash, something you hand the waiter and you don't get back, as opposed to like giving them your credit card and then you get it back. That's like the difference between like an item and mana. You can always mm-hmm. restore your mana. But once you spend that potion, it's gone. And even if intellectually you know that like there's going to be another potion, there's some potions are money, credit yeah. card is mana. That's a shirt. We need yeah, that. that's a shirt. I mean, put it, patent it, TM, talk, yeah. um, 
but I think there's that emotional feeling of turn-based players. They're very risk adverse. Yeah. They never want to like feel like they're, they're very, uh, have loss aversion. So like, yeah, I think most players hoard items. Um, I've seen some clever um, strategies to mitigate that with some games, like what Patrick mentioned, uh, just lots of items like our friends, Josh, and Benedict are making a game called Four Vast Future, and their game is built on using your items. And that was like the central problem they had to solve in the beginning. Like the whole game is built around a character that's scrapping in this sort of like ruined dystopian world, and she can kind of use items to damage enemies with like building contraptions and throwing grenades and stuff. So like the first thing I asked Josh was like, you know that every RPG player ever is never going to want to use them. So like everything about how you brand this, so instead of calling them items, they're called like war gear. So they sound more, and you get a lot of drops, and you can craft them. So like, there's just so much economy of them. Yeah, They're called something else. So DQ11 does a good job of that, where you can yeah. go to the blacksmith and make your swords. I like that, but I also like I want to be able to throw this sword at the final boss, or like maybe there's a side quest where I can get Excalibur if I get the rat tail from the random person in the underground. Final Fantasy 4. That's not usable, so. Yeah, true. Like the G's bosses, Casey. Um, that's the that's the That is also true. I'm I'm all for that. Like I hey, I beat the final boss in one hit. That that also makes me feel good because I'm like, yes, I beat the machine. It's like me beating the Terminator, is how I look at it. Like, okay, Skynet can't take over. I'm cheesing the machine. I beat him. Um, our next one. Or Peter, what are you uh what are you hoard items or you use them? I will I will hoard every single item except for antidotes. Okay. Really? Oh, you're just popping those like, oh, like yeah. tons? Popping oh, like yeah, tons. for sure. Like I mean MP is precious at that at that stage in the game. So you, you burn through your antidotes. And the and the enemies that poison you, they always drop antidotes anyway. So Yeah, yeah isn't that funny? I mean that's good game design, right? Theoretically yeah. like objective good game design. But like I, I remember making a poison monster in the cave we're working on. I'm like, well he should drop an antidote because he poisoned you. But right. it doesn't actually make sense why a scorpion would be carried. He has the anti-venom from his fang. Like if you can craft the item, maybe I'll give you that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Dude, if that scorpion bites his own lip he's going to be in trouble okay? <laughs> that's pretty good um okay do you like a world map or a con- single continent path world map i'm a world map guy so i'm a world map guy yeah world map guy i think so, um open world when it's a little when it gets more realistic and more one-to-one which is cool it can actually start feeling smaller because you're lacking a little bit of that abstraction which makes things feel bigger even though they might mm-hmm. actually be smaller in game that makes sense yeah phil are you a world map or zone guy no i think i think i'm probably a zone guy to be honest with you i uh i actually don't uh, and back to the other one um with the whether i use items oh yeah i'm, I'm glad you didn't ask me because Sorry. i assume that you already know the answer you, which is, you're I, probably like yeah whatever I, yeah. I definitely use them instantly <laughs> i'm the guy who gets somewhere into the game and i'm like this is probably something i should save for later yeah i just sell it and i immediately so I, I, I appreciate you so much dude you have one day <laughs> you spend all your items it's just gotta. I gotta feel like this is it. Like I don't want to have multiple choices. I want to have like this is like you said, uh, Casey. This is my experience. Yeah. Um, let sleeping dogs lie. Like this is how this is. Let me live my life. Let me live. Well, my story. You know, one of the things, right? Like I, I like so far about Chrono Trigger, and I don't know what you would categorize that as, whether it's a world map or whether you would categorize that as a zone, because both. it's. 
because it's kind of both, right? What I liked about Chrono Trigger was that so far anyways, is that everything is really close together. And I find it kind of really annoying when I'm playing a game, especially now that I'm older, right? And I just don't have time just to go look for, to go look for that snake in Final Fantasy VII and just wait for that big snake to pop up and fight it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, I just want to get right to the next area. Like, the walking, anything that's really monotonous where it's like, oh, we got to get on this bike and go over here. or And it takes five minutes to get to this new area. Like, I'm immediately dreading. Like, I don't want to go over there. Like, there's no there's no way that there's going to be anything important for me to go out here onto this corner. So I would probably say I'm much more of a zone guy. Now, uh, it, that's a, a testament to Chrono Trigger, too, right? Because it's a 30-year-old game. But it's like it plays. It it still hangs with like yeah, this is still good. Like solid game design. Dude, still. Spe- speaking of Chrono Trigger, Phil, I laughed so hard on that stream when you didn't realize you could go up the stairs by going to the right. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was so it was my first time, right? And this is one thing I will say about like, older games, right? Like I had to have an adjustment because I've been playing a lot of super intense competitive games, like Apex, Starcraft, like all these like super one v one type games, and um. So I was getting adjusted to the pacing. One thing I noticed is like there's no almost no tutorial. And there was almost no tutorial in some of those older games. Like you just are in the game and you're like, well, I guess Figure I should. Figure it out, kid. Right? Like yeah. I should just push some buttons and see what happens, which I was fine with. But uh, yeah, I, the uh, graphics, I did not. I was wandering around for probably 40 minutes. And that's actually how someone realized that they genuinely realized I didn't. I, this was my first time playthrough because I was just looking for the princess. And I didn't realize that you could walk up another set of stairs so i just kept looking through these two levels and i'm like there's gotta be a secret door in the wall and it's like when you start <laughs> when you start doing that thing when you start to get really stressed with a game and you're like i know that the the switch is right here like i know i had a guy actually help me two nights ago because he was like oh you gotta walk here and you walk into this wall and then you can go down and that's where the switch is and i'm like oh but yes that first night that i was playing uh, I didn't see that there was like a little drawing of the stair there, and I didn't realize I could continue going up the stairs. Um, so it was not my best. And it just blew your mind. Something yeah. So you're like, whoa. No, I mean, like it was easily overlooked, especially like be playing games now compared to then. Yeah. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Reminds me of like when you had the Zelda bombs and you just throw them at every wall you could find. Oh right, right. No, and then, you know, you, you use the sword. I would go like, ding, ding. Oh, it made a different sound, right? Or you look for the cracks. Well, yeah, listen, yeah. I didn't do well in AP science like you did, apparently. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, the next one. Job classes or ability grid? Skill grid. Uh, job classes, I would say. Even if they're soft. Because, like, I don't, I don't like everybody to be exactly the same. Right. I want like, to be I, able to mix and match, too. I love, I love Final Fantasy VII. And, and, and Final Fantasy VII is a game where the only thing separating most people is their limit break. Right. But I wouldn't ever design something that way. I mean, I I would never design anything like Final Fantasy VII because that was one and done. That was like, yeah. that was just a, a time and a place and a, and a miracle. And it was, I mean, they, they were clever. It wasn't like luck, but they knew what they were doing, but I don't think it could ever be done again. Um, I mean, that's why they're remaking it, right? That's why they're trying to make it a different thing, right? Uh, yeah, I don't I, I'm not going to talk about that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I, I think okay, Boomer. in that. <laughs> You have classes are good in that they I have constraints, right? Constraints yeah. are what makes like there's an episode of Bluey. Um, Love Bluey. Experience. New episodes August 10th for all you parents oh, out there coming three. season three episode. coming August 10th. Yeah, Disney uh, to Disney Plus. How do you know you're a boomer? <laughs> My son's favorite show. 
But there's an episode called in season one called Shadowlands, and Bluey is tr- struggling to explain to Coco. My God, I'm really dating myself. Yeah, no, why the rules are important. This is a I, great I, episode. And I'm just like, I want to show that to game design. I used to teach game design. And I just want to show that to my game design 101 students. Be like, this, this is your first lesson. That the rules are what make it fun. Constraint. Yeah. Not a million verbs. Not every button shows grenades, lasers, grappling hooks, and everything. What makes the games fun is constraints. By right. forcing you to think creatively. That's um, D&D. That's why you have a dungeon master. Because it's not your friend like, and then I... Have the power? No, you don't. You roll the one. You fall down the stairs and break your leg. Like, let's play. There are constraints. There's rules. Yeah, I'm with you. The dungeon master is also useful because if, if like your spouse is playing and they roll a one and they're about to die, you can look straight into your eyes of your D and D dungeon master and go, "Don't let me get divorced." And he goes, "You barely survive." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can choose. Like, you are on death's door. How bad is this one? Yeah, I'm with you on the abilities in the job classes too. Shelby, what are you? Are you a job? class guy or do you like an ability like a talent tree oh give me the grid give me the grid i want to pick and choose what i want uh is normally what i go for if everybody the same magic spell right yeah i mean i'm playing uh, monster hunter right now and the pets are all job types it seems like the cats the power i'm just like i don't know what i'm gonna get next you know as you work your way up that grid you're like i don't know if this is gonna be worth it or not but let's just keep going until we figure out what it fills out to be Yeah. yeah i like the bombing cats myself what about you tyler uh probably job classes yeah i like when characters sort of who they are in the story reflects who they are in gameplay this is my tank this is my healer yeah yeah i I think that's uh fun though i I mean i love customization too but um yeah i'm kind of agreeing but when a character embraces the role like steiner in final (laughs) fantasy 9 he is the knight he right. is your tank. He is mm-hmm. cool. And then you get him and Vivi, and he can be a tank that does some damage. I love Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's very resonant with that game yeah. with, with the characters, I guess. Peter? Yeah, same. I, I like I like it. I mean, like, I even like it when when you have an ability, like a ability list, but it's tailored to the character. So like all you know, you you have some variation within your class. Um, but you know, it's 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 really like this character is this role and, and that's what they are. Phil, sorry, Shelby. I job, like job classes all the way. Yeah. I do like being able to mulligan. Um, if like if it's like I'm stuck in this route forever, I'm not a huge fan of that. But like if I can like respec, yeah. Or you take an ability like Final Fantasy Tactics, one of my favorite. Like I'm gonna give the knight dual wield, and he can have two uh, Excalibur swords and just cut through everything. Or give Orlando, just give Orlando double Excalibur. But a go. man is so much more than his job class, guys. It's true. But his job class makes him the man. Now, our final question, because also the other thing I like about Quartet is your use of elements for this Would You Rather. And it goes to, like, Baby's first JRPG, or one of the greatest JRPGs of the time, Pokemon. Charmander, Bulbasaur, or Squirtle? Who are you taking? I got to go with my boy Bulbasaur. No, wait. <laughs> No, 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 wait. Why did I say that? I bet That's the right answer. Right. No, no. I was. No, wait, wait. Which one's the water one? No, uh, Squirtle, Squirtle, right? Yeah. Yeah, Squirtle. Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. I'll pick a Charmander so it'll kill your Bulbasaur. No, um, I, like I knew that the first two dungeons were harder. And like if you have the Charmander, and I'm like, well, I want I want a Charmander because I want to like kill everything yeah. that first, i should like with right the there's the water and rock gym Charmander's thing bulbasaur is the easy mode there yes phil 
Yeah, that's the same for me. We were actually literally having this conversation with my son yesterday. Actually, we were having it. I was having this discussion with him on the way to school this morning for 30 minutes while we were waiting in traffic about like trying to explain to him that there was red and blue and you didn't get all of the Pokemon in red that you got in blue. And then explaining to him what a Master Ball was. It's like you have one Master Ball and you can choose what you're going to get, and that's all you're going to get with that Master Ball, and that's the hey, only Phil, you, one. Phil, you Did you, use your, master Did you <laughs> use your Master Ball the second you got it? Oh, no. You, start, you just spend your items right away. So did you like just catch like a level 10 Tentacruel or something? We <laughs> got Pidgey. No, I, give me, give me, show me some respect. All right, I used it on one of the rare birds. I think I oh, always, I think I picked, I think I picked Zapdos. I think yeah. that's always the One of the rare one. birds, Pidgeotto. Yeah. <laughs> But I was always Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur easy. The first two gems, you can sail through those and start your start your adventure off the right way. Right, Patrick. Um, I think I went uh, Bulbasaur because because uh, Gyarados can handle your water needs and um, Zubat, the rarest bird. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then Charmander. I like I I didn't use fire hardly at all. I don't think I don't think I can basically never use fire. I think I used thunder on my plant enemies, and I had I had watched the show before. This yeah, I was, like, I was like twelve, so I like watched the show, and so I really wanted a Pikachu. My Pikachu was off because I always led with him, so I didn't need fire so much. Right, and then I eventually got um, Dragonite, and I just hyper beat oh, everything. Wow! Can I make a comment yeah. about the fire types in Gen One that I always found incredibly amusing to me? Yeah, so. No this is me putting on my game designer hat. So fire is a little undertuned in in Gen One. There's not they don't have yeah. a lot of good moves and whatever. But the funniest thing was me is that the fire gym leader, uh, Blaine, Blaine, who I believe is the second to last gym leader. Yes, he's actually so one of the easiest ones because the <laughs> the move you literally need to reach him is called Surf, which yeah. is the second strongest water move in the game, and yeah. White kills his entire party. But the other thing <laughs> is you can avoid all the battles in his gym if you do the trivia questions and just yeah. go fight him. Yeah, but like the move you have to have to get there oh, literally yeah. makes this team irrelevant. Yeah, Hydro Pump and then Surf. Surf's the second strongest. But yeah, and it's funny because like the hardest emulator, probably theoretically, is probably Bronk. If you think about it, if you just yeah. start off the Pokemon, you don't know anything, you pick Charmander and you get the Brock Lake. In Heart Gold, it's clearly it's the Milk Tank girl. It's uh, oh it's Whitney. Whitney, yeah, do that normal type gym. Oh, and it Juna. starts that rolling was cool out video game. If you do a, a Nuzlocke, that is no, she's known as the Nuzlocke Destroyer because that rollout, what rolled out, for those of you that don't know, the mechanic is every time it goes in sequence, it gets stronger each turn. So it's a continuous attack. So by, like, turn four, it's a one-hit KO on anything you put in, and it can crush Nuzlocke's. Um, I, I do really like the Zubat legendary bird. Shelby, you're a Charmander guy, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm a Zubat guy. Uh, my starter is Zubat. <laughs> Uh, no, Squirtle all day, all day, every yeah. day. Squirtle. I actually see Let's that he, with the sunglasses. With the oh, definitely with the sunglasses. <laughs> right on. Well, guys, um, I was I, the other thing I was gonna say about Pokemon too. It's like you always like oh, I'm gonna play that and get a different team, and you always have the same team. Like for me, I it was always Growlithe because I I got a pink golden retriever back here sleeping. But I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have my big gold dog, like, in my game. I thought Arcanine's a big gold dog, and I'm going to always have that. But I want to thank you guys for coming on tonight. Um, I know we used a lot of your time. 
where can our listeners find more of all of you or look into what you guys do? Yeah, so the best places to find us would be our Discord server, which is just discord.gg slash something classic. Um, and it's a really great community. We talk about RPGs, game design. There's a lot of developers, artists. Great community. Um, recommend y'all join us there. We'd love to have you. Um, our Twitter is at something classic, but I believe it's spelled um, C-L-A-S-S-C. Yeah. Uh, you can find us there. We try to update quartet stuff here and there when we can um so the discord and the twitter i think is the best place to find us the twitter i always say that too and i make me feel so old the, uh, well and all that information will be in our description below on the podcast and when we post this on youtube for those that aren't watching live or listening shelby take us home yeah, definitely. Go by Quartet. Uh, it's coming out soon. You can wish list it on Steam. Coming out TBD. Perfect um, Switch game. I'm going to say that right now. It's, yeah. I'm so excited to play that in my handheld. I mean, it looks it looks absolutely stellar. So thanks, guys, for being with us tonight. It's been awesome. Thank you. We'll have to do it again yeah. soon. And if you want any more from the Underpower team, you can feel free to follow us on our social channels. That is in the attached description um also we are in the discord leave us a review if you'd be so kind five stars if you would that is a wrap for this week bye y'all fun games <laughs>